Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room pubisode. And in the pub, we'll be having a little debrief and talking books, hemorrhoids, maximalism, and Gaviscon. Okay, so we are at Dom's aptly named pub, The Harvester, following our uh, our adventure last episode last week for you, but minutes ago for us, uh, playing a game against death for our very lives. Anyway, we're back now. We're having a lovely, cheeky little drink. Um, what's everybody having? Dom? Um, I, I was on the red stripe, but it proved to be rather foamy. And I want to be clear, it's not foamy like... You know, it's not that it has a decent head on it, not that kind of nice dense foam. It's more like a bubble bath. Oh. You're in the bath and you get some in your mouth, that kind of foam. Oh, dear. Um, so I will have a, um, a good old-fashioned hobgoblin, please, a, a ruby. A classic. Mm-hmm. Laura, what about yourself? What are you having? I'm on the apple juice because I am the designated driver for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, newsflash to anybody uh, listening um, who hasn't heard. Which comes to think of it, it's probably nobody because we've probably not. Nobody, I didn't mention last time I was on. Oh yeah, yeah. Laura's um, expecting to be a designated driver for at least the next six months. <laughs> next eighteen years. <laughs> oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that kid is learning to drive at twelve. Laura's Laura's pregnant. <laughs> I, I, we're pregnant. Hooray! Hooray! I mean, I I feel I feel I should be giving like Laura most like ninety nine percent of the kudos for this. <laughs> Because my plan is basically to shake the kid's hand when it arrives into the world and see him again when they're 18. Lovely. Nice. Yeah, the good old-fashioned way. The middle class, uh, upper class, rather. Yeah, I finally see the appeal of fishing. It's the second. It was the very second that discovered Laura was pregnant. I was suddenly like, oh man, sitting around doing something incredibly boring for ages in green trousers sounds amazing. Um, and I'm and I'm Mike, <laughs> soon to be divorced, possibly dead. And I am drinking, I've got two beers in front of me on the go, uh, because I opened the first one earlier, um, and there's a bit of a story behind it. Um, it's, it was a, I had two beers as a gift from my aunt, who knows that I like trying different beers. Uh, Is so, she a listener? Uh, I don't want to show Auntie Sue listens. I don't think she would know. I'm sure we, we, we can get it to her. Well, shout out <laughs> to Auntie Sue. This Sue, nice to um, speak at you. Very much a shout out to Auntie Sue. Thank you very much for the beers. Uh, on cracking open the first one, well, so this is a National Trust beer. Uh, it's a I Kentish like mead. I, I like their mead. Um, this is a Kentish red ale, dark and nutty. Um, and unfortunately, it tastes very much like somebody had a bucket of spare malt, forgot to make beer with it, and then stuck it in a tin. And uh, there's a bit of what looks like chewable foam on the top yeah this this foam has been here for an hour at this point and it's not gone down it looks like the wall insulation foam yeah oh god it's not moving when the water goes over it that's incredible it's, it's like a... when there's a when there's a rushing river but somehow the the yellow scummy foam doesn't move like that that yeah. color yeah. that consistency oh. don't keep drinking it it's just it's so fascinating it's so <laughs> it's good radio it's so malty it's so mm, you know um like shreddies like shreddies malty um no but maybe like fermented shreddies left in a bathtub mm. but do, do you know when we were very young and like there was always there was like the pubs always had like one real car scale on and it was always undrinkable and terrible and the old men with no teeth would drink it it tastes like that stop drinking it 
Ah, okay, so I also have my other beer from Auntie Sue. Thank you very much, Auntie Sue. Uh, a tin of Westerham Brewery's British Bulldog, which is a Why pale ale. ground sport. All right. Did they ban it? I don't know. It's I don't know. That was the thing they said. Our school tried. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, it's inoffensive. That's pretty good. That's quite refreshing. It's a. It's actually fighting with the maltiness of the previous <laughs> beer still. So it's like the, the glass of orange juice to accompany your shreddies. Mm. Having just brushed your teeth. Ugh, ugh. Yeah. all the time. As a kid, I drank a lot of apple juice. I'd clean my teeth, come down, drink a glass of apple juice, and it's nasty. Hmm. There was an episode of No Such Thing as a Fish on that recently, wasn't there? Mm. Something to do with... Like the way it coats your taste buds and blocks them, basically, so you can't taste the sweet. Yeah. Oh, so you only taste the bad stuff? Yeah. Oh. But you're, uh, you're addicted to apple juice at the moment, aren't I you? I am. It's a, it's with, just fruit in general. No, no, just just normal apple juice. I'm drinking by sort of by the gallon at the minute. Yeah, and eating a lot of fruit. <laughs> yeah, other people have like strange pregnancy cravings. Laura's has been fruit and apple juice, <laughs> pretty much. Well, you wouldn't get scurvy at least. Exactly. I think it's the void left by wine. I think your body's <laughs> trying to ferment new fruits in your body <laughs> to produce wine. A grape deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man. That'd be a good title for the episode. <laughs> Great Good efficiency. Um, so last week we were escaping uh, Dom's death game room. Uh, Dom, do you want to tell us a bit about the room? Um, so obviously you guys got that one of the inspirations is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The uh, Bogus Journey? The second Excellent. one anyway, the better one. Was it Excellent Adventure? Was the first one. Was it the first one? Excellent Adventure is the first one where they, do, where they, they have to write a history paper. So that Bogus um, Journey is the second one, yeah. Yeah, because everything goes bogus. And uh, Laura noticed that uh, Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore <laughs> Logan's initials are in the Mortal Kombat um, high scores. I didn't bother to check what year Mortal Kombat 2 came out. I know it was after Bogus Journey. I'm pretty certain it was after Bogus Journey, but I didn't care. And the other thing was that I was literally like, what game should there be? And I, and I thought, no, oh, an arcade game. That's That'd be a bit of a fun idea. And I thought of the first arcade game that appeared in my brain which was Mortal Kombat 2 and it wasn't until after I was writing it I was like oh Mortal Kombat that actually <laughs> <laughs> it could very easily have been um, Street Fighter and you would have been like I don't why is it why is it Street Fighter but so Bill and Ted was actually parodying the Seventh Seal which um, is the other inspiration for it um, so that's a, an Ing, Ing, Ingmar Bergman film from on my really should have made notes it's like from black and white guess, times isn't it or black and white film it was 1956 1956 was he right what was the name of the film again ingvar camfrad no i'm gonna be like a decade off aren't i da, 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 da. 1957 not too far Ooh, oh but was that release date or when it was it when it was made Oh, what? <laughs> because I could pull it out based on semantics. Uh, okay, we've got release date 1957. In 56. <laughs> okay, release date 57, and they don't talk about the production history in this very... Oh, hang on, they do. What? Uh, originally wrote the play in 1953, 1954. Oh, it was also based on a play, guys. Oh. Uh, beforehand. Oh, man. It was given a schedule of 35 days and a budget of $150,000. I did know it was a play because the guy who plays Death in Seven Seal, who is, he's just got a white face and a black hood 
and uh, they don't remotely bother to make him look like a skeleton. Uh, he was he was in the play beforehand, um, like you and Bremner in in Transporting. But yeah, so that's 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 a movie about a knight who uh, comes back from the Crusades, presumably to Sweden. Is this? I'm pretty sure it's a Swedish film. Yes, it's a Swedish oh, I'm just film. Getting... Okay. <laughs> I saw that bit. And he plays chess against death. And then it was Bill and Ted who introduced the idea that they suck at chess, they do best out of three and, and play other games with him. Uh, Max von Sydow is the knight in The Seventh Seal and his initials were the MVD. Ah! Was that why... The, uh, was it death? Death at the bottom? For... Yeah, so he sucked. He only got 14 points. Ah, oh, he knew that it! That's the clue as to why you should go for that. And then I actually found out that the inspiration for the whole concept of playing chess against death comes from a piece of medieval art, which uh, listeners at home can Google for themselves, but uh, you guys get to see it now. It'll be in the show notes slash linked, depending on the copyright well, status. Know, yeah, linked. I don't know if we have the... I assume it's... I mean, I think the art's definitely... It's um, probably out of copyright. Domain. <laughs> yeah, photograph. You've got to think about who took the photograph. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, but it's, yeah, a it's, a, it's a it's a dude playing chess um, with um, a skeleton, basically. Mostly, actually, this has got a bit of flesh on him. But um, yeah, apparently that's what inspired the whole concept of gaming with with death to save your soul. Man, art was anyway, wild before perspective. Seen either of those films? Um, should definitely watch both of them. They're both very good, very good movies. I think you sent me a clip to Seventh Seal about a month ago, um, and I ended up watching it. Um, on the toilet and really enjoying it. <laughs> the clip or the whole movie? I mean, the clip. I could, I can, I, I can. Say, how long are you on the toilet for, man? Well, a I, while. I, I, I can, I can do a double dumper, but normally I need more in the way of distraction for that. Really good book or something going on the Steam Deck. <laughs> so you don't have a, you should get a, a TV mounted on the inside of your door. So don't you give them ideas. Cast TV, cast movies to it. No. We could, couldn't we? No. Well, you'd need to get some kind of special pillow so you don't get hemorrhoids. Well, that's the thing. It's like you do that and then you try and get up and... Your face plump. Yeah, your legs haven't had blood for 20 minutes, so you just kind of... Plump. <laughs> Apparently you can get hemorrhoids, well, can't you? Because it's yeah. more like blood flow to your ass. Um, like it increases the risk of, uh, of it because the, the longer you're kind of in that position, your um, your blood vessels expand mm -hmm. around your pooper. Mm -hmm. So how's that different from sitting on the sofa? You sit at a different angle. You sit, a, you sit at a different angle because it's like it's the difference between kind of sitting there like, you know, cheeks akimbo, kind of like in the brace position. Wait, you don't part your cheeks to sit on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to fully relax. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a really like, uh, yeah, I don't know why now I think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll it compare thing, my sitting later yeah. on. I think it is to do with like the angle you sit at as well. Yeah. There's, there's no support under your bum is there on the toilet only on the edges so like... is that we should get basically armchairs with holes in that would no be that, that's the future no that's how you get hemorrhoids homer simpson got there first as well didn't he, he made his armchair but toilet i always sit in my armchair and i i have yet to get hemorrhoids yeah because there's no hole in it all oh, right okay so we need a tube perhaps <laughs> <laughs> like, a, just like a bum catheter piece. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> some really big nappies, you find. <laughs> but yeah, there's some fun mechanics in that one as well. I liked it. I was, um, mm. I think, I think I mentioned the possibility of a room to Dom last week, and then he went, "Yeah, I've got an idea." And then the next day, messed me like, "Ruin it!" <laughs> so this one, this one presumably just coalesced out of the mist for you. 
I, I didn't realize I'd finished it uh, until I was like, oh, there's an answer for everything. And then I thought, it, it just felt like I'd, I'd thrown a few ideas together, which is what I normally do. And then I look at how to tweak them so they fit together and fill in any gaps. And with this one, I threw the ideas together and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't technically any gaps, but it also, it did feel like you were going to have to try and make some leaps. I don't, I think not you successfully made most of the leaps. I don't think there are any right big the... leaps. Hmm. That last, even that last puzzle, to be honest, I look at it now and go, if Jamie had been with us, he would have had that in a heartbeat yeah. in a second. So if anything, this is Jamie's fault. Yeah, no, Esther blinked. So I, I gave you the, um, the image of the Scrabble tiles because obviously nobody knows off by heart normally that X is worth eight and so on. But I was originally just going to make you uh, alphabetize, uh, numerize the, the alphabet once again. But and then I thought, oh, I've got the Scrabble tiles there, might as well. Might as well do some. That, that, was, that was the other thing for a while for us, wasn't it? We had um, uh, PG Law join us and it turned out that she had the index of the alphabet memorized <laughs> from just doing escape rooms and things so she could just bang them out like instantly and it was like wow, wow. I mean, I machine don't, I don't actually know how many numbers there how many letters there are in the in the alphabet so obviously me too that, i could tell you that c is three and then i could go on from there one by one but beyond that it would be complete guess so i'd say Oh, why? Of course, the twenty something letter of the alphabet. But I don't. Know. No, no, fifth. Wow. Yeah, because it's twenty six letters in the alphabet. See, I don't know that. I, I know that between but... like twenty three and twenty nine, but uh, my brain refuses to keep keep the actual number, so I can never work backwards. Do you think that no such thing as a fish, the QI podcast, have been massively overshooting all these years? They're like really interesting facts. It's like, oh, this particular particle can fire through a, a bum jumbler and works in hair dryers. Whereas actually, we're like, interesting facts: twenty-six letters in the alphabet, and we're like, what? <laughs> Mind <am> blown. <laughs> Did you know the sky looks blue? <laughs> They're like, so the sky's blue because of this. This is except under this. Yeah, they've been massively overshooting. I think. Well, I think I think even telling me why the sky is blue. I mean. I know that it's something to do with the refraction, that therefore the frequency hits our eyes at the blue scale on the color on the visible light spectrum. It's more than I knew. I really don't know enough to actually like if you know how the whole thing of like if you know something you can teach it to someone else, and if you really know it, you can teach it to a child. Um, I have no idea why the sky is blue when it comes to that level of knowing it. Something to do with oh, I'm not even going to get into because I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll basically prove your point. It's got to be atmospheric refraction, right? Well, yeah, it's um, moisture in the atmosphere. So it's the same reason why a really clear sea is blue. It's light passing through water. Um, no, the 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 sea is reflecting the sky. Is it? Fuck! I thought it was something to do with uh, water vapor in the in the atmosphere and that changing um, uh, that changing light as it passes through. Now the sea is definitely reflecting the sky. The sea has no color. Well, not one you can see. Water is is colourless. Am I an idiot? Well, we've said Have that you before. Ever held a glass of water up to the sun, and whichever way you turned it, suddenly it turned blue. Has that happened for you? No, but then I've never been in one of those um, tenor for men adverts because I don't know where they're getting all their blue water from. But I can assume <laughs> oh, that's. It, I mean, it's the, yeah, it's the same as um, it, it, you can never use the liquid that is the actual colour of the real life liquid. Um, because it's upsetting. Yeah. People. Unless it's Gaviscon, and then, hey, here's some firemen to fire cum down your throat. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon their marketing team did that as a dare a few years ago and it's just stuck? <laughs> yeah, it was a, um, a, a drunken Mad Libs game. They were like, hey, that could actually work. I'm sure some most adverts get made. Because it used to be a case of this advert, if, if you didn't understand what the hell was going on for an advert, it was for perfume. It could be anything now. It could be his cars, isn't it, as well? Like, it could be absolutely but anything now. I think that developed pre-internet, didn't it? So that you would talk about it. It was mm. um, organic viral marketing. If you had something that was really weird that no one understood, they'd go to work the next day and say, hey, did you see that advert that was really weird? And then someone, hopefully in the office, was just like, oh, yeah, that was for Argos. Or whatever, <laughs> so that you know, actually, but you get people talking about it. Uh, presumably, watching TV in the hope of seeing the advert. I don't know. Yeah, that that whole advert as a as an event thing massively crosses me. It's the it's when people talk about the John Lewis advert every Christmas. Oh, the Christmas advert. I just like oh, it's like oh, you'll never guess what mawkish toss they made this year. It's oh. a it's a little penguin. Oh. It's the littlest penguin, and he's so small, so his little flippers can't reach a turkey or whatever and then he goes on an adventure oh, fuck, i couldn't i can't the message at the end is always i mean love but capitalism yeah. love but john lewis john lewis likes little penguins fuck off i just are oh, unbelievably mawkish toss I makes me really angry watch, i don't really watch anything that has adverts so when it does come around to christmas what i do is i read the most like excoriating reviews of the the various people's Christmas adverts possible. So I'm all loaded up with um, the things people hate about them, the <laughs> things people have been posting fun at them. And then I YouTube it. And I go, that was bad. <laughs> precisely once. It's a minute of my life and I enjoyed having a little bit of capitalism taken down and, and that's it. You, you can avoid these things if you want to. The same as, as uh, Carol's. I heard none last year because Anna decided she didn't want to put any on. That was it. None. No Christmas carols. It was amazing. Although I do like um, the one about uh, falling on your knees. That's a good one. We put Christmas carols on, on Christmas Day, but we did the uh, the metal version so we could find them. Yeah. On the, the metal and punk covers, wasn't it? Yeah. That was our Christmas Day. Uh, that glorious, glorious Christmas Day where we weren't allowed to visit anybody. So. Two Christmas days where we had Home Alone. They were nice. Yeah. <laughs> talking about in the past. I think yeah. just this, this Christmas. No. Oh, no. no. This Christmas we did what family did things. Do? Oh, no, Jesus. Well, this coming Christmas, we're not going to be able to. People are going to have to come to us. Yeah. If they must. And it'll, have to, it'll be like that going forwards as well. Ah, oh, Jesus. Do you, reckon, do you reckon this Christmas, if we ask people nicely, they'd visit for no more than half an hour and bring McDonald's? <laughs> Possibly. But you don't even need to... So you're you're missing a step that can be cut out there. You're assuming it has to be someone you know and love. Could just be the McDonald's delivery man. Who can visit you every half an hour with a McDonald's and you don't even have to make small talk. The Uber Eats driver. Some poor kid <laughs> who's like, why am I working on Christmas Day? The man makes a good point. Yeah, Saying that, I, I, was that, I was that poor kid at one point. I worked um, in the kitchen on Christmas Day once. Um, I love Christmas Day. They're right. No. It was... Uh, I think it was Double Bubble. But that... But, but yeah, it was double bubble, but it was double fuck all. So it was like twice fuck all. Times two is two pounds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back when minimum wage was two pounds something. Yeah, I think it was, I think it genuinely. It was three pounds 60. I think I was on an hour. Three pounds 60. So it was six pounds an hour, which for working through Christmas morning and your Christmas Eve hangover, because you've been out the night before. Was, yeah, see, I, I, I don't tend to see Christmas mornings these days because I don't uh, believe in getting up. Um, <laughs> but I've also never gotten the thing of going out on Christmas Eve. Like, 
We always I'll have a drink or two, but I don't want to be hung over on Christmas Day because Christmas Day I'll be drinking by half ten. As in ten minutes after I wake up. A fair few hangover Christmas Day. I say it's, it's like your tradition law. Well, it's my auntie's birthday on Christmas Eve, so I always used to have a family party. Mm. It was her birthday. And then when we got to the right age, we, me and my cousin would go out and meet some of our friends afterwards. And it just kind of became a thing from there. And we've done it a couple of times. I, I never did it until I met you. And then suddenly every Christmas Eve was like this mad bender. Well, I worked some and you, when I was in the pub and you'd come to the pub and meet me there and our friends would come to the pub and meet me. Oh, we had, and we had, um, and we had, had one year, we had an amazing lock-in. So amazing, in fact, that the following day at Christmas dinner, you were a bit peaky. And my Katie sister, vomited. When Katie she... vomited because mum, for a gag, Gave her, gave her a bottle of Malibu for Christmas and she promptly was sick everywhere just looking at the bottle. <laughs> the slowest I've ever eaten a Christmas dinner. We're in the restaurant at two in the morning. Who doesn't want to clean up vomit Christmas. Yeah, in the restaurant at two in the morning with massive inflatable dicks strapped oh, to us, um, charging at each other. Brilliant. And the, the, like a lot of fun, but that's what the, New Year's is for, right? Jaeger bomb train. Oh, yeah. Ugh. The stickiest bar ever. Yeah, well, I worked a lot of New Year's as well, didn't I? But it's not the same when you work in it. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> let's let's bring this back to, does anybody have anything ranting, bubbling in them? Uh, no, I mean, I had a pizza last night. It was a bit too hot, but most of that's, most of that's through me by now. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one. Laura, what was that concept called? What concept? Because So Laura and I have a small disagreement um, on books. Yeah, there we go. Sundoku. Okay, so... Laura and I have a disagreement. Interested to see where you sit on this, Don, what your position is on it. I think that books are a thing that you acquire and then you continue to acquire until you have no more space and then you make more space. Whereas I'm happy to like buy books from a charity shop, keep them for a while and then give a lot of books back to a charity shop to make space for new books. And I subscribe to the Japanese art, the Japanese philosophy of Sundoku, referring to the phenomenon of acquiring reading materials, but letting them pile up in one's home without reading them. Um, because you'll get around to them eventually, so you can dip into them when you want. And once you've That's read a book, you can point, pick it up again and remember it. That latter half, that you'll get around to it eventually, is that actually included in the definition of Sundoku? Because it sounds Sundoku to me sounds more pejorative, more like someone who buys books and doesn't fucking read them uh no it's part of the term yeah. okay so the whole idea is having an unread pile uh so you always got something to read pretty much yeah then yeah i'm an adherent i mean i'm kind of between the two of you uh besides that in that i will give books away um if i don't think i will read them again hmm. or if they're not part of a really nice set yeah, if, you, if you're not going to read them again, if you've read them, you thought, okay, that, that was that was worth my time, but I'm not going to read it again. There's no point hanging on to it. You just, you can clear space for a book that you may well read again. Yeah, exactly. But in general... Um, I was going to say, I knew, I mean, looking at your living room, I know... I was aligned with, with bookshelves, so obviously I do like a lot of the a lot of the books I read enough to think, yeah, maybe I will read that again well, someday. We, we do have and a lot of books. It's also nice, if, it, if a book is a curiosity or has a certain something that you won't get mm. from everywhere it's nice to have it to be able to lend it to people mm. um and if i give it back to a charity shop then i just have to tell people oh you've got to try and find this book it's out of print since the 70s and my copy was falling apart but i gave it away anyway uh it's so much better to have that to be able to pass on to someone especially if it's a falling apart one because then they can pass it on and so on until it no longer exists 
Um, but yeah, I would say about ooh, probably 15 to 20% of the, no, not that many actually, maybe 10% of the books that I have in piles and on shelves, I haven't read because that's the, that's the joy of it. And it also hmm. means that if it's a long time until my birthday or if I've got no money or, uh, if I can't afford a video game, I know there's always something that I'm excited to do in my house that I've never done before. No, we both got to read piles and there's books in the house and just, I also subscribe to, okay, we've, we've read these books. We're not going to read them again. They're just sitting on the shelf. We could put other books in their place. But how do you know you're not going to read it again? And there's, there's a lot when of books when you... It's a book I know I'm not going to read again. I mean, I know. Yeah. As in, <laughs> this book was shit. Yeah. Or, oh, that was all right. I've read the story, but I've read a lot of stories like it that are better. So there's no point keeping this one when there's better ones. Of a similar vein. So I think the question here then, so it seems, Laura, you'll, you'll read something that you think you might like. Uh, Michael, how how much do you curate your acquisition? I mean, that's the thing. Because I only buy books that I think I'm really going to like, and most of the time I'm... Well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's that's very much me. I either... Yeah, I... I punts. I, I generally don't take a punt, to be honest. And I, I'm very, uh, Dom and I share a mutual friend, Andrew, who is uh, the bibliophile's bibliophile, um, uh, who's just reads like an absolute machine um, and then passes on books that he's enjoyed. Which I, why he, Should we say why he passes them on? <laughs> <laughs> it might help Laura's cause a little bit. I mean, here. ironically, he passes his on because his other half um, is terrified of literally drowning in books. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Has, uh, She's not a large lady and... Um, she could definitely be killed by yeah, one wobbly book pile and she's felled. Yeah. yeah. And that would be like Andrew, like Andrew's reading, I think, so he, he was on strike for a couple of weeks um, at one point and he showed me his reading pile and he got through the whole thing. And it was, it was a good like meter of books. <laughs> he read through a meter of paper in like a week and a half's worth of work days, plus naps. It was I think bonkers. I read through a series of seven books that he is now giving me and raised <laughs> my shelves, even though I haven't read them yet. Um, although I'm, I'm halfway through the first one at the moment, I'm really enjoying it, so I have high hopes. Yeah, and um, like, I like... like them, I'll pass them on. Yeah, but well, we, we do pass books that... on to people, well, we pass books on to Andrew as well. Yeah. <laughs> that nine book series, each book is... Um, circa 650, 700 pounds. Oi, jeez. He read the nine book series in uh, the time it took me to read one short story in an anthology. <laughs> <laughs> the thing for me, it's like, this, I, if I look at, if I look immediately to my right, I'm looking at uh, a load You've of... You've got that nice illusion on your camera of being, of having the wall of books there because of your, your wallpaper. Paper. And actually a wall of books to my right as well. I can't see the actual helps. wall though because of your chair. Um, but so I've got, immediately to my right, I've got my Neil Gaiman's, I've got uh, my Louis Master Bajold, the Vorkskin Saga, I've got um, uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky, and I've got some Bill Bryson, which has worked its way onto the shelf. Hmm. Um, but like, I gave my Bill Brysons away. I really enjoyed them. Um, I found them all to be single reads. I now know what he thinks of England. Um, and uh, oh, now I know what he thinks of boating. 
and uh, and then you give it back to the charity shop for someone else <laughs> to for a quid and go, hey, what does Bill Bryson think about uh, astrophysics? Yeah, it, and it, you get to find out. It does definitely feel a little out of place in that collection. I'll admit. I think but... it's one that's been here for a while and just been moved around from shelf. Well, to no, that's shelf. that's one of my that's one of my older books. That one. But yeah, the the, the point I'm trying to make with this is, I look to that side. I'm like, oh my god, I, I like I I look at those covers. I'm like, oh, I remember the books. And so I'm looking at the titles. I'm like, oh my god, this happened when I I loved it. This book really kind of got me like ah and i'm really looking forward to the day where i break all my arms and my legs except for like one hand to read with so that i can just sit in a hospital bed and like read through the whole thing again but, um, but that's that's that no longer works i mean it's the same as we've got uh over 300 board games in the house as well um but our book collection and our board game collection and all of the video games and all of the the stack of movies we've got to watch that we haven't watched all of the tv that's online we always talked about, yeah, if we get snowed in, you know, oh, we're going to have so much to do. And then, of course, everybody was forced to stay in their house for three years. And you know what we did? None of it. We recreated the pub in our house. <laughs> cards. We did none of those things when we were forced to. Like truculent toddlers. When told, now's the time to sit down and do these things, we were like, no, we're going to pretend I'm at the pub. <laughs> We were pretty good about reading. Yeah, I think we were pretty I mean, if anything, Laura, you were like a pig in shit. Yeah. Well, there's some books I've got and I read them over and over and over again and I'm going to keep hold of them. But it's just this. So there's a lot of books we have here that you've had since before I've known you and I've never seen you read. And last 14 years, you've never touched those books, at least. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, there's some that could somebody else could read. Yeah, that's that's easily... You know, that's that's twenty eight people could have read those books. In that pick, time. pick pick you one, pick one now. Up, you can even set up something so you get them back in time to read them in that time. Go on, Lord, pick pick one, pick one. Oh gosh, you gotta pick one. I'm gonna really regret this. I was gonna say this is roulette. Isn't is it, it from the, the last tango in Aberystwyth? Last tango in Aberystwyth. Oh yeah, that one's not great. Not great. <laughs> that's memento though. Somebody bought me that. And? It's a gift. It's, and I went to Aberystwyth. There's a, there's a lot of books in the downstairs library that could probably go. Oh, but Lord, they're like emergency toilet paper. There's a lot of them I'll down tell there. You what? There's been a couple of times when I've been drunk at your house, and I've stumbled into that downstairs bathroom, and I've seen your your massive collection of the the the, the penguin. Oh, the little uh, black classics. Those are the brilliant. Little black classics. And I've always thought, if I nicked the Communist Manifesto, <laughs> they ever notice? Probably not. I definitely fit that in my sleeve. But then it's a it's a it's a it's a set, and I hate breaking up sets to the point where when I was in a charity shop and I saw Lethal Weapon one, two, three, and four, I was like, no one wants Lethal Weapon four, but I had to buy it because I didn't want the next person to go in and go, oh, Lethal Weapon, ah, oh, it's Lethal Weapon four. <laughs> so I spent the extra fifty p and I bought Lethal Weapon four <laughs> and straight in the bin. Now there's the uh, Game of Thrones box. I'm a hoarder. I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm a hoarder. Yeah. And you're, not, you're not going to read those Game of Thrones books again. You're probably right, actually. I'm probably not going to read those Game of Thrones books again. And that's a decent stack of books that could make space for more books that we can put in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, energy crisis, you need fuel. Yeah. That sort of thing. That could that could last you a couple of nights. Yeah, a George R. R. Martin book. I mean, just in the level of detail he goes into on the depth of someone's bloody tunic. Who then dies 10 chapters later. Like that's... You could easily burn the 10 million cardboard boxes you've got in the loft instead. It's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's move. <laughs> Let's wrap Nothing this up. will fit in them. They're all oh, inside I, I have a lot of flattened cardboard boxes in my eaves, so I can't... Since Sorry, Laura. As much as I want to be on your side, the more you berate Michael, the more <laughs> you, I'm just like, oh, dear, that's me. Maximalists, unite. 
Yes. Hell yeah, maximalism. Every house should be a wizard's tower. <laughs> Every house has at least one hoarder then, isn't it? Yeah. There's, there's two cardboard desks under, under the bed that could probably burn. No, those have been useful multiple times and you know it. Oh, are we going to use them again for the same reason? Yeah, for lands. They're brilliant for lands. What, when this room's got a baby in it? Uh, let's wrap this episode <laughs> up. Uh, I can see the barman's making eyes at us. Um, no, bar- he's barman. making eyes at me all night. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, actually. He's, uh, he's motioning for me and Laura to leave, but he's, um, yeah, giving different motions to Dom. Um, okay, then, let's scamper off into the night. Thank you very much, listeners. Uh, for listening uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on all of your favourite apps feeds iTunes and at our website theinfinitescaperoom.com you can also follow us and get in touch via Facebook and Twitter at tier underscore podcast and uh, now let's bugger off for a, a little food nightcap what's everybody's preferred food nightcap post pub chicken burger home I've, I've never been a kebab guy um, I was more more It's a chicken burger and specifically the place in uni. Oh, chicken burger from Sam's Fried Chicken. Quick postscript. Uh, Dom's just dropped a bombshell on the puzzle. Uh, This is being edited in backwards, but we remembered we were chatting after the recording. Go, Dom! Um, So the the, the sigil, it uh, it was Heston all along. Uh, it was helping you out to to get you out of hell. He's the one who provided the button, um, so you could uh, do the deal with death. And he's the one who gave you all the clues on the post-its. The sigil is an HFB for Heston fucking Blumenthal. Genius. <laughs> and I forgot to, to mention that at all at any point. That is very much the uh, the aerosol cherry on the. Uh, I did say an FFB, didn't I? You did. You did. Oh, banging. That's yeah.